I'm just kind of curious. Um, I, I noticed some of you, uh, actually, um, some of you actually had your hand raised in that song. It's more than, the, more than Waymaker. It was great. Saw a flashlight right back here. That's great. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, I'd see you seriously. You had a flashlight. That was awesome. It's like the most encouraging thing that's happened to me all day long. How many of you men in the room would admit that back in the day, you had a mullet? Would you? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very few men would actually admit that. I did. I did. I had a mullet. Mine was, um, I had a tight perm in the back uh, at one point. I, I mean, if you're going to do it, just own it, right? Now, here's, here's what, the, the song says I want my mullet back, but not really. I don't. I don't. Like, if somebody walked in here with a mullet, first of all, we'd, we'd, we would greet them and say, welcome to Second Chance. You obviously need one. But anyway, we, we would just say, we would welcome them. But nobody would look at a man with a mullet and think, now that's a man all about progress. <laughs> what would you? No, no, you would say, oh, wow, we're, we're, take, we're taking it back. We're stepping back. And then women, don't judge. Don't judge because while you didn't have the mullet, you know what you did have? A catcher's mitt right here back in the day when men had mullets. You, had, you, you used a whole can of hairspray and you could have played baseball and been the catcher and all you had to do was tilt your head forward. You couldn't have thrown the ball because it had taken three years to get it out of that. But you had any lady catcher's mitt? Catcher's mitt? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now, once again, if you walked in here with, and you're a lady and you had a catcher's mitt hairdo, we would, we would welcome you. But none of us would say, now that's a woman all about progress. It's, it, it would take us back, not take us forward. Agree or disagree? Same thing with music. Same thing with music. If I took you out of my car and said, man, you got to listen to this brand new song, and I, and, and I busted out an 8-track? Some of y'all don't even know what an 8-track is. How many of you had an 8-track in your car? Oh, yeah, a lot of old people here. That's good. No, my hand was up. My hand was up. And then it went to cassette tapes. You remember cassettes? And then it was like, oh, my gosh. And I remember somebody gave me like an Easy e cassette one time. Somebody like, what's that? It's uh. It's this Christian group that did, anyway, I'm just kidding. And I remember I got cassettes, and then we went from cassettes. Remember CDs were here for like two minutes? Um, and it was like, oh, my gosh, you got all your, and now, now, like, we got all our music right here. It's on our phone. Now, if I got in your car and you had an 8-track player, I had an tra 8-track player, nobody would think, man, this is a man that's embraced the future. No, it's, it's, it's things that we had and we appreciate it, but we don't want it back. Now, that's the way it is in, in my walk and hopefully your walk with Jesus. Just to kind of put my cards on the table, I hope that Second Chance is a place where you can attend and belong and that you'll always look back on your time here one of these days when we step into eternity or maybe when you move somewhere. I don't know. People relocate and things like that. But I want this to be a place where you can look at this season of your life and go, you know what? I grew in my relationship with Jesus during that time. I didn't go backwards. I went forwards. I want this to be a place where you know it really is okay to take your next step in your walk with Jesus. And here's the reason I say that. Sometimes our next step is messy. Sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes it doesn't look good. Sometimes people don't celebrate that next step. But I want this to be a place. In fact, I'll just go ahead and say this, and I've said it to all the other services. I'll say it here. I want us to, instead of building great buildings, I want to build great people. Because I think it's a tragedy if we build big buildings, but we don't build great people. And at the end of the day, I want this to be a place that builds great people because this is what I believe. If we build great people, the buildings will take care of themselves. 
So I want for you, I want this to be a place where you can grow in your personal walk with Jesus. I don't want us to step backwards. As I look over my past 30 years and my journey with Christ, I feel like I've taken some steps forward. I've definitely taken a few steps backward. But overall, I feel like I've made progress. And I want for this to be a place where you feel like you can, have, you can make spiritual progress. Now, with that in mind, I want to read a story out of the Gospel of John. And, um, and this story, to me, is fascinating. In fact, if you're from a church background, this is a very familiar story to you. Um, let me kind of back up. We got to say we got four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are called the Synoptic Gospels. Most of the material in Matthew, Mark, and Luke is the same. About 80 to 85% of the content in those Gospels are the same. But John shares some stories that Matthew, Mark, and Luke doesn't share. And he gives us some insights and some glimpses into Jesus' life that we don't get from the other gospel writers. And so this story is one of those stories. And if you're, like I said, if you're from a church background, you've heard this story. But I want to read through this passage of Scripture. And, then when, and, and by the way, I can't read a passage of Scripture without making a comment. I don't know why. It's just in me, and I'm sorry. We'll eventually get through the passage of Scripture. And, I've got, I, and after I read through this passage of Scripture earlier um, a couple weeks ago, I wrote down seven things I wanted for everybody in our church. Now, I had seven, but the Baptist in me narrowed it down to three. So we went from seven to three. Um, and so, because three is easy to remember, right? And so these are three promises that I want for you, or three promises I'm going to make to you and for you as the senior pastor of this church. And ultimately, I want this to be a place where we all grow, like I said, in our relationship with Jesus. Here we go. John chapter 8 and verse 1. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, which is breathtaking, by the way. But early the next morning... Early the next morning. Early the next morning. I wonder why John puts that detail in there. Have you ever been reading something, especially the Bible, and you're like, why is that detail in there? And I always wondered why that detail was in there. And I'm going to tell you at the end of the message, so y'all got to pay attention. Um, early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, pause. Anytime you see that phrase in Scripture, teachers of realist law, Pharisees, go ahead and start running the Jaws theme in your mind because it's a shark attack. This is not good. It's never good when these guys show up, okay? And so they show up, and they brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of, of the crowd. Now, let me just kind of make a comment here before I move on. Religious people always select certain things they're going to be against and certain things they're going to stay silent about. Religion always discriminates against the people that aren't doing what the religious claim to be doing. Point in case, religion right here selected to condemn one person but not another person. Hey, how do you get that? Where's the man? Where's the man? Why did he get away with it? I mean, because, I'm, listen, I'm no scientist. But the last I checked, it takes two to tango, right? You can Google it. No, <laughs> don't, don't Google that. Don't just take my word. But religion is selective. Isn't it funny? I know religious people that will look down on people for cussing. But they gossip. I mean, just which one? They look down on people for struggling with sin, but they struggle with pride. 
I'm just saying, we got to be real careful. We got to be real careful because if we're not, if we're not careful, we'll slide into selecting certain sins we're against, certain sins that we hide, and certain sins that we champion. All right, y'all listen faster. I got to get through this. Here we go. Verse four. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses said, pause, pause. The law of Moses said, now, this is what's crazy. This is how arrogant religion is because they were quoting the word to the word. Jesus was the word of God. It says in John 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. So here's the word. And they're quoting Jesus, the Bible, which is amazing because Jesus was probably kind of nodding his head going, I, I know, I wrote it. But, but he didn't say that. He just kind of plays along. And, and they're quoting the law of Moses. Now, the law of Moses is the first five books in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And most of the men in this society, now women were not allowed to go to school 2,000 years ago, and, and it, so it just was that way. But men went to school, and, and during the first 12 to 14 years of their schooling, they memorized the first five books of the Old Testament. This was called the Law of Moses. They had it committed to memory. In fact, one of the things that the Law of Moses was called is the way, the truth, and the life, because people believed you actually achieved life by living out the Law of Moses. And there were 613 commands, so it was insane. But they show up and they tell Jesus, the Law of Moses says to stone her. And you know what? They were right. They were right. That's what the Bible said to do. The, the quote, and I put that in quote, the Bible said, kill her. Then they asked Jesus, what do you say? Hey, hey, we got a verse, by the way. Anytime somebody's ever coming after you, especially from, from a religious standpoint, they always got a verse. Did you know you could make the Bible say anything you wanted to say? You got just got anyway. We'll just do a whole series on that one time. They were trying to trap him. They were trying to trap. They were trying to trap Jesus. That is that just makes me smile. They were trying to trap him into saying something that that they, they could use against him because religion is always trying to trap you. It's always trying to trap you. Um, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. Pause. Can you see that scene in your mind? Standing over Jesus going, answer me! Pause. When you think, these, when these guys actually stood in front of Jesus on, on the day of judgment, like when they died and went to heaven, do you think they had an oh snap moment? Like, oh, oh man. I just, first of all, I just want to get it out. I'm sorry about that whole demanding and answer thing. You know what? Whatever you say. I mean, that, that's probably what their, their attitude. But religion is always arrogant. It's always arrogant. It always demands an answer. De demanding answer. So he stood up again and said, all right. Now, I think when he said, all right, he probably paused. All right. Everybody's happy because they get to kill somebody. By the way, let me just say this. I didn't say this to other services. When somebody is happy and celebrates over another person's struggle, that's jacked up. That's jacked up. Just put that out there. That's for me as much as anybody in the room. Okay? Here we go. All right. But let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Now, I want to pause real quick. Because I think we've had this backwards for years. 
I've had it backwards for years. Notice the, notice the punctuation. It's an exclamation point. Jesus said this with some boldness. He said it with some authority. He didn't say, you know what, let the one that never sinned throw the first stone. He didn't say that. He didn't go into yoga tree pose mode, all right? He, he was like straight up in their face. All right, let the one that's never sinned throw the first stone. Exclamation point. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers, I love that word, the, the use of the word accuser, because in Zechariah 3, Satan is called the accuser, so the accuser is tied to Satan, but here the accuser is tied to religion. I just think that's funny. It's just probably hypothetical. I mean, it's just coincidence. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away, kind of like a snake slips away, and Satan appeared as a snake in the garden. Anyway, just there's all kind of imagery here. They slipped uh, one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? There's that word again, accusers. Zechariah 3, Satan's the accuser, religion, the accuser. It's just, it's just funny how it all fits in there. It's probably, didn't even one of them condemn you? You ever felt, you ever felt condemnation from someone? It sucks, doesn't it? Watch this. No, Lord. Now, hold on for a second. I realized this week, I've been reading the Bible nearly my whole life, that right here, she got it right. This is the only person in the crowd that actually recognized Jesus. Because when the religious leaders and, and, and Pharisees showed up, they called him teacher. She called him Lord. So the most religious people in the passage missed it. And the most sinful person in the passage got it right. You know why she got it right? Because until you understand you need amazing grace, you'll never see it as amazing grace. But once you understand it's what's been given to us, we can't get over it. No, Lord. I just love that. Two words. The religious leaders are shouting all these accusations. You just spoke two words. No, Lord. Got it right. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Now, you remember what I showed you in the last slide, the exclamation point? There's not an exclamation point here. There's a period. See, I've heard this talk where Jesus was like, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Is mm, that what the passage says? I, I think it was more of a, Neither do I. And he had a smile on his face. He said, well, go and sin no more. In other words, this, this, this was, it wasn't like punishment. It was permission for her. Basically, he was essentially saying, you don't have to live like this anymore. Hey, let's just, what, what happened, happened. You don't have to live this way anymore. And he gave her permission to step into a brand new life. Now, all of that to say, all of that to say, um, three promises that I want to make to you as the pastor of this church. Three things I want you to know about this environment and about you and your family and your children or your future children or whatever grow in their relationship with Jesus. And it's this. Number one, number one, we will choose to love you more than of you. We will cho choose to love you more than of you. Now, I've got, I'm a Clemson fan. 
Yes, I watched the game last night, the end of the first quarter, and I was like, I'm going to bed. Um, because I, I just, I mean, I didn't want to see our third string play. If I want to see third string play, I'd watch Carolina's first string. Anyway, I, I'm a Clemson fan. By the way, anytime I talk about Clemson, the only people that tell me I should not talk about Clemson are Carolina fans. Georgia fans don't say anything. Alabama don't have the internet. So, so like, none, none, none of those people kind of <laughs> say anything. But, you know, I, I'm a Clemson fan, but you know what? You don't have to be a Clemson fan for us to hang out. Like, I, a lot of my people, a lot of my people, my people are Carolina fans. And, and South Carolina fans, I want you to listen to me. We could play this year. You know, we're, because of the SEC and the ACC and the schedules, we, there, there's a possible, I mean, we can't, we don't play. We're not scheduled. But we could play if y'all make it to the playoffs. Now, everybody's laughing, but hold on, hold on. This is 2020. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen this year, right? Nothing surprises me in 2020. I could walk out the door and a dinosaur could walk by and I'd be like, you know what? It's 2020. Screw it. Like, like that's my attitude now. But I don't, limit, I don't limit the people that I hang out with to only Clemson fans. If I did, my, it would limit my friendships. It's the same thing in this story that, that we just read. Jesus did not, in fact, I heard a friend of mine say this years ago, and I've just repeated it over and over and over again because it's so true. Jesus liked people that were nothing like him, and people that were nothing like him liked him. That's the environment that we want to create. Because right now in my life, I'm, all, I'm 49 years old. I've got strong theological convictions, probably stronger than they've ever been. I've got strong moral convictions, stronger than they've ever been. But I'm not going to draw a line in the sand and say, unless you believe what I believe and behave like I behave, you can't be a part of what we're doing. That is, is arrogance at its best. But some people draw... We fight over the dumbest things. I was preaching at another church one time in another state, and um, it was one of those sermons where, like, I only had to preach it one time, so I just went in. Like, when I say I went in, I was sweating, spitting, and snorting, and, like, everybody was like, it was like charismatic, so everybody's all happy. Um, I love charismatic. And, and so everybody's all happy, and afterwards they were like, you need to stand down front and talk to people. And I was like, oh. Oh, because I, I, I get nervous. I do. Like, like right now, I'm great. But if I'm standing and everybody's lined up to talk to me, I'm like, oh, that's a long line. <laughs> and they all say the same thing. You're tall. I'm like, so if you've ever said that to me, I'm sorry. In my mind, I judge you just a little bit because I've been tall. Anyway. <laughs> so I preached this sermon. And after I get to preach this sermon, I'm standing down front. And a guy walks up to me after I, I preached the sermon. And he said, Pastor, I got a question for you. It was, a young, it was a young dude. It's always a young dude. It's always a young dude. He don't have a girlfriend. He don't have a job. Anyway, so, so he's standing there, and he looks at me. I just need to know something right now. Are you pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib? I was like, what? He's like, you know what I'm talking about, the tribulation? I'm like, I know the tribulation. But I didn't preach about that. Like, I didn't even say anything about Jesus coming back. Why does it matter? He said, I need to know. So I can know whether or not I can buy into you. Well, first of all, I don't need you to buy. I didn't say that. But by the way, pause. Pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. This is about the tribulation that's, that is going to take place at the end of times according to some theological beliefs. Pre-tribulation is all heck's going to break loose here on earth. But don't worry about it. Jesus is going to come get all his kids. And we don't have to be 
hear all the bad stuff, where all the bad stuff happens, right? Mid-trib is Jesus is going to let us live about three and a half years through all the bad stuff, and he's going to be like, you know what, everybody out of the pool. He's going to come get all his children, and all the bad people have to stay another three and a half years. Post-trib is he's going to let us suffer and get killed and get our heads chopped off, and, and everything's going to go crazy. There's going to be one checkout line at Walmart. We're all going to have to go to Walmart, and it's going to be like he's going to let all that happen, and then after, after tribulation, he's going to come back and get us all. Now, personally, personally, I hope it's pre-trib. I hope it is. I don't want to be here during the bad stuff. I had somebody tell me one time, I think we should suffer for Jesus. And you know what? I hope he leaves you. He leaves you, takes me. That'd be great. <laughs> but does it matter? Does it matter? So I told him. I was like, man, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm pan-trib. <laughs> he said, what? Hey, I'm from the South. I just believe it all pan out in the end. Jesus has got it. I told him that. He didn't. He didn't think it was funny. Y'all did. But he didn't think it was funny at all. But I'm like, do we have to agree on what we think about the tribulation to be friends? My gosh. Jesus, Jesus chose to love people more than he loves. He chose relationships over rules. Here's where I'm really going with this. Jesus chose to... I want you to listen to me. I'm going to get roasted for this, but that's fine. Once you've already been canceled, it doesn't matter how many other times you get canceled. I know we live in cancel culture. I don't care. Jesus chose a relationship over what the Bible said. He did. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Did the Bible say this woman should be killed? Yes or no? Did Jesus have her killed? And I'm saying this. Some people, I know it, I know it doesn't sit well. But others of you have been told you can't come back to the church because you're divorced or your son's gay. This is a place where you can show up no matter what. We will choose relationships over rules every single time. And I believe, I believe what the Bible says. I believe, I believe. But you know what? Jesus, Jesus could have walked around and his earthly ministry could have been this. No, 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 stop it. I know what you did. I know what you did last night. I know what you did last summer. I know what you did 10 minutes ago. I, like he could have just done that. And you know what? He would have been right. But at the end of the day, if he would have had that approach to ministry, he would have made a point, not a difference. And I believe one of the reasons the church has lost so much influence in today's culture is we've been so obsessed with making a point and not making a difference. Well, I guess you're saying anything goes. I don't know. Take it to Jesus who let the woman who was caught in adultery go. He let me go. He let you go. So that's a promise we're always going to have. We'll choose to love you more than you. Number two, we'll choose safety over shame. We'll choose safety over shame. Um, I went to Christian school the first seven or eight years of my school. And uh, I went to K-4. It started me as four years old. I got kicked out of my first Christian school. And four years old, not making it up, I, I've always been an overachiever. So I got kicked out of that school, went to another school. And 
I went to school back in the day where you got paddlings, like you would legit get like beaten by the teachers and the principal. And when the principal paddled you, that was like a special occasion, which I had lots of special occasions when I was a kid. I was on a first name basis, had my little like frequent diners card or whatever. I could just walk in. Now, I want to go ahead and tell you, and, and, and at Christian school, the way I had it set up is you got paddled for the weirdest things. It was like high, it was like independent Baptist, so we had all kind of we had rules on top of rules on top of rules. So if you got caught speaking in the bathroom, talking in the bathroom, paddling. If you took more than two paper towels, paddling, because the monitor would tell on you. <laughs> when I went, when I got to go to the bathroom by myself, I'd always take like four or five. <laughs> I've always been a rebel. Anyway, the the problem with the paddling, and by the way, when you got paddling in school, you couldn't come home and tell your mom and dad. Because they wouldn't call the teacher. They would give you one, too. I got a two-for-one special. Every time I got one in school, I got one at home. You probably deserved it. So I never forget that the worst thing about getting a paddling in Christian school was not the paddling. The paddling wasn't that bad. Physical pain is physical pain. I, you just take it. The, the worst thing was the prayer, that they would pray for you before they paddled you. Miss Nally in the fourth grade, I can remember, I was talking in the bathroom. We go in, we're praying. She's there, Mr. Edison, the principal's there. Miss Nally, Mr. Edison, how do I remember these things? Torture, that's how I remember these things. And Miss Nally's holding my hand and says, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. And I'm like, okay. She's like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I can't make this up. This is how, I, this is how it went down. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We thank you so much for Perry. And may his heart be broken because he has nailed you to the cross all over again. I talked in the bathroom. Miss Nally, what the heck? I didn't say that. I've been saying that in my... But have you ever been shamed during a prayer? God, please forgive them. We know they're sinful. We know they. And it's like, by the time by the time the prayer was over, I was like, just could you just beat me next time? I mean, could you just wear me out? Because I think the physical beating would be like what you just did to me is going to scar me for the rest of my life. It's the it's the thing called shame, and all of us in this room have had to deal with shame. The lady in this story. Caught in the act of adultery. Maybe a setup, we don't know. Many scholars believe she was dra dragged naked through the streets and thrown in front of Jesus. I would be willing to bet you that this woman was like, please kill me. Because if I'm dead, I don't have to live with all this. I don't have to live with the shame. I don't have to live with the guilt. I don't have to live with the regret. Shame has silenced more people and set them on the sideline just about anything else in the world. But Jesus, well, he chose safety. Because everybody's saying she should be killed, and Jesus actually set her free. I want this to be a place where it's safe to admit this is who I am. I'm struggling with some things. I'm not, I'm not where I need to be. And I know I have more steps to go in my relationship with Jesus and not be shamed for it. But why, which, by the way, I'm not who I need to be. I still struggle in my relationship with Jesus. 
And I pray that I can continually take next steps in this environment. It, can you imagine what would have happened in maybe your own life if there had been a safe place where you could go and say, this is who, I'm at, this is who I am, and this is what I'm struggling with, and instead of getting pushed out, you got brought in? And instead of pushing you away, we said, you know what, how can we come alongside you and help you take your next steps in your walk with Jesus? At the end of the day, I want this to be a place where it really is okay not to be okay. Which leads to the last point. The last point is this. We will choose progress over perfection. Progress over perfection. The, uh, a couple weeks ago, it was really interesting. I was listening to an interview. I was listening to a podcast. And um, they were interviewing Mike Tyson. I don't know if y'all remember Mike Tyson or not. If you don't know who Mike Tyson is, my opinion, one of, I didn't say the, I said one of the greatest boxers of all time. He was, he was amazing. I, I remember playing Mike Tyson Punch-Out on Nintendo, Super Nintendo. Y'all remember that? It came out on Wii. I got it one time when it came out on Wii, and I was tired by, like, the third round because you actually threw punches and stuff. But Mike Tyson, I'll never forget um, in 1988, Mike Tyson fought Michael Spinks. And it was, it was supposed to be one of the greatest fights of all time. Tyson was undefeated. Spinks was undefeated. There was so much hype. People spent hundreds and thousands of dollars to be at this fight. Well, I remember one Hollywood star brought in all his friends, paid over a million dollars to have them all there. They're all at ringside, everything. And the fight, ding, ding, the bell starts. Tyson knocked him out in 91 seconds. A minute and a half. I remember the announcers going, well, uh, Bob, what do you think about that? <laughs> That's a fight. You know, this is Southern announcer. But I, I, can you imagine being at that fight and you're just kind of sitting there and you're just kind of prepared to just, okay, this is good. This is, nope, okay, well, it was good. Let's just over it. Okay, it was over that fast. I think about that and then I think about the movie, the series of movie Rocky. Karis, the other day, my 13-year-old daughter, she's like, Daddy, I think I want to see the Rocky movies. I was like, oh, that's a good girl. Um, I was explaining to her, though, the, the, the thing that got me about Rocky 1, and it was the same with, uh, with, with Creed. It's the same type of uh, when, when Rocky is training Apollo's son. But anyway, Rocky 1, the reason it got me, and the reason I still kind of get choked up every time, is the end of Rocky 1, Rocky didn't win the fight. Which, by the way, if I spoiled that for you and you hadn't seen Rocky, check your heart, man. Anyway, Rocky doesn't win the fight. All he wanted to do was go the distance, go 15 rounds with the champion. And I can still remember in round 14, I can see this scene in my mind when he gets knocked down by Apollo and he's crawling to his corner and his trainer is going, stay down, stay down, stay down. And he gets back up to fight and Apollo can't believe it because he's so blown away that Rocky's still got some fight left in him, and it hit me the last time I was watching it, that's what a walk with Christ is supposed to look like. Because, listen, I've been in church world a long time. I've seen people, and maybe you have too, they receive Christ, and within two weeks, they're completely different. They don't smoke anymore. They don't drink anymore. They don't cuss anymore. They walk on water. They fed all their friends. They had 5,000 friends. They fed them with a Happy Meal from Taco Bell. Like, they, they just, they are on it. They memorize the Bible in like a month. They're just doing stuff. And, and we see that, and we think that's everybody's journey. But do you know everybody has a pace, but not everybody's pace is the same pace? Most people I know that are, beyond, that are honest, they're kind of like Rocky. 
They just get in the ring. And some, some rounds we win, and some rounds we lose. But the common factor is we all get back up and fight one more round. That's what Christianity is. It's not knocking somebody out in 91 seconds. It's the willingness. And, and I've heard people say, I've heard people say this, and you have too. If you're a Christian, you wouldn't fight with those things. And I say, because you're a Christian, you fight with those things. Because if you were not a Christian, there would be no reason to fight to begin with. So at the end of the day, we choose progress over perfection. You say, Perry, how do you get that out of that text? It's very simple. Jesus is talking to the woman. <laughs> he told her, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Let me ask you a question. You think the woman left that conversation and never sinned again? Yes or no? No. But you know what? She had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And in this meeting, she definitely took her next step. We can't say anything else about her. We can say, she met Jesus, she got it right, she moved forward. That's what I want for every single person here. We meet Jesus, we get it right, we move forward. If we get knocked down, we get back up. Encounter with Jesus, get it right, move forward. 15 rounds until he takes us home. I told you we'd circle back to this. This is what blows my mind about this entire encounter that this woman had. At night, when this woman is doing what she did, when she's like diving into sin with both feet, she's absolutely, I mean, chose to do the wrong thing. Jesus could have pushed her, her away. He could have isolated her. He could have turned his back on her. That's not what we see him doing. While she's sinning, Look what Jesus is doing. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. But early the next morning, while she was sinning, early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crown suit gathered, and he sat down and taught them, don't miss this. While she's on her way to condemnation, Jesus is putting a roadblock that will change condemnation to celebration because she recognized who he was in her life. So I don't know what you walked in here with today, maybe feeling the weight of the world, maybe feeling some condemnation spiritually, maybe feeling overwhelmed, maybe feeling like, you, like you're trapped in a certain circumstance or a situation, or you've fought this week and you feel like you lost this round. There's, there's good news. Just like the woman in this passage, she realized, you know what? Jesus is a way maker. And when she was caught and when she was accused and she, when she was trapped, did she think that Jesus was working in her life? Yes or no? Absolutely not. But even when we don't think he's working, he's working. And even when we don't think he's moving, he's moving. And for her in this passage, she realized Jesus was a way maker 
even in an impossible circumstance where she was going to be condemned, he set her free. And if he did it for her, he'll do it for us. Father, I want to thank you right now that you are a way maker. God, and there are so many times that I look in my own life and I, there's no way I would have believed in that moment that you were working. But you were working and you are working right now in this place. So Father, I pray for those that, that might be wrestling with hope, might be wrestling with peace, might be wrestling with joy, Jesus, that we would just be reminded over these next few moments that even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working. And you have greater things in store 